Ontario's right to disconnect law, that has just passed. But what does that exactly mean for you? Well, let's ask employment lawyer Stan Fanselberg, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Hey, Stan, good afternoon. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Appreciate you being here as always. Uh, let's just start, I guess, with the nuts and bolts here. What exactly are employees entitled to under this new right to disconnect law, Stan? Uh, well, the, the nuts and bolts are that they're not really entitled to much. Uh, if you read the actual legislation, what all this is, all that's being required of employers here is that any employer with at least 25 employees create a policy that talks about an employee's right to disconnect and then defines what that disconnection means in terms of emails, phone calls, after hour work, after hours, weekends, things like that. The interesting aspect is there really is no enforcement mechanism from what I can see in the legislation. So it, it doesn't have any teeth to actually require an employer who violates this policy to do, do anything. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest issues and to see how this actually is intended to play out. Okay, that is really interesting. So is there any, or I guess is the onus now on employees that if they don't feel as if their employers are abiding by this new right to disconnect a law, do they have any sort of avenue here to pursue? Well, it's again, it's interesting. It'll be interesting how the final regulations look because, you know, it could be intended to apply similar to how the harassment components uh, of the Occupational Health and Safety Act apply, where if uh, if there's a violation by the employer, then the employee can make a complaint, an anonymous complaint, to the Ministry of Labor, who will come in and do an investigation and actually impose some sort of remedy if they find there is a violation. My sense is that that's where likely where this is heading, because I really wouldn't understand the purpose if there wasn't some enforcement mechanism to actually force employers to comply with the legislation. Uh, I, that's how I think it's going to work. But ultimately, Jeff, I, I think that this, the, the purpose of this legislation is more about changing attitude and changing the workplace environment and just, you know, adapting it for modern times. You know, we've been working, most people have essentially been working from home for the last 18 months, and the lines between home and work are far beyond blurred at this point. And, and I think that this is trying to set a new cultural, uh, a new cultural atmosphere to, to distinguish those two aspects and to provide some sort of you know, some mental relief and, and just the courage to, to, to stand up to an employer saying, no, you can't do this anymore. Um, I'm not required to answer emails after work or pick up your phone calls on weekends and just to reinforce that mentality. So that, to me, I think that's the bigger purpose of the legislation than to actually, you know, have formal remedies and investigations and to really be, be punitive in terms of employers who violate it. But, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I hear you and we've been talking about this on and off throughout the uh, week. And when it comes to a right to disconnect, uh, we're talking about uh, people's work-life balance, their mental health as well. I mean, these are all uh, very important issues, uh, you know, today and moving forward. So you have to wonder why there aren't more clear directives. Why is it uh, just workplaces with 25 or more employees? I mean, if you work with uh, 10, is your work-life balance, your mental health just not as important? It's it's as important, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's not like there's a massive financial, uh, mass financial consequence of having to impose this policy. You're literally just talking about writing up a document, putting up in your intra-office intra uh, somewhere or a memorandum online or offline. So I don't know why the 25 employee requirement was or threshold was in, implemented. 
Um, but again, I mean, I think the purpose of the legislation is to have the conversations we're having now, the conversations you've been having all week. It's to stimulate that conversation and discuss, you know, kind of disconnecting the home life from the work life that's just become so muddled. And, you know, it probably doesn't hurt that there's an election coming up around the corner. Sure. Now, can employees and employers, I mean, when they sit down, if you've got more than 25 in your workplace, are they to draft some sort of, uh, I don't know, list of rules, if you will, that after uh, a certain prescribed time, let's call it five at night, that's quitting time, and you can still send the emails, but uh, nobody is expected to read them, pick them up, or respond to them until the start of business the next day? Is that essentially how things are working? Well, the, the term disconnecting from work is actually defined in the legislation, I expect that the policy will just follow the definition. And the definition here means not engaging any work-related communications, including emails, telephone calls, video calls, or sending the re- sending or reviewing other messages so as to be free from the performance of work. Obviously, that's vague, and I think it's intended to be vague. And I also, you know, would presume that there's exceptions based on context. You know, if you have, if there's a deal going down and you need to have input, and unfortunately that may require you to put in extra hours, you know, this legislation is not necessarily going to mean that, okay, well, I don't need to work now because it's five o'clock. But some, you know, some policy that communicates that particular language is what I expect will be the expectation imposed on employers in that policy. Yeah, do you have a sense, uh, Stan, from your dealings with employers and employees, whether or not this is truly welcomed? Because the other side of this, of course, is, as you mentioned, the line has been blurred between uh, the workplace and home with so many people during the pandemic working from home. There are some workers that have enjoyed that flexibility that, you know, if their child has a game that they want to go to at three in the afternoon, they cut away for that and then they come back and uh, maybe pick up uh, some work on the back end. And will they be able to do that uh, still under this new legislation, this right to disconnect law? I don't think it will impose any restrictions upon parties from negotiating, you know, their own schedule that works for them. A lot of people, as you say, have other events, obviously around 3 p.m. schools tend to come out and people have to go pick up their children. So there's always exceptions and, you know, context is important here. Uh, I don't think that there'll be restrictions in that sense. I, I haven't necessarily seen a lot of people clamoring for legislation of this nature, uh, you know, I would say maybe this is derived from those conversations that were being had around work-life balance and the blurring of those lines. And this seems to be the conservatives' response to that conversation more so than anything else. All right, just finally, Stan, I wanted to ask you, do you think that this is the start of uh, a number of changes when it comes to the Ontario uh, workplace and what work looks like uh, into the new year and hopefully eventually post-pandemic? Uh, we had the Labour uh, Minister, Monty McNaughton, on with us earlier this week, and we were talking about the uh, Working for Workers Act. He was fairly non-committal on a few uh, issues, such as a four-day work week. Would they uh, look at something uh, like that? Uh, There's some other issues uh, out there that uh, we've seen uh, happen in other countries. Do you expect this, uh, you know, to be the start of some fairly big changes uh, for workers as we head towards that spring election? The bill itself has some other provisions that I think are important and already kind of leading down that path. You know, eliminating non-competes in almost all contexts is itself a pretty large change in the province of Ontario, and I'm frankly curious how that's going to work interjurisdictionally with other provinces that haven't had that provision in place uh, legislatively. 
I think the reality is that work is going to change regardless of what the government does. You know, the pandemic has shown us that there's a huge cohort of people who don't want to go back or certainly don't want to go back on a full time basis. And if you, you know, the labor market's kind of dictating that already. If employers who are forcing employees back from a lot of people that I've spoken to, those employees are looking for different jobs because they don't want to go back. So regardless of kind of the legislative intent and what the government is going to do, the change is already happening, and that's happening, you know, in the economy and in the labor market without any sort of guidance from the government. Yeah, so the balance of power is really kind of shifting here rather than the employer being the one that dictates, uh, you know, the rules, if you will, of uh, work. Uh, power is shifted towards the employees because there is such a battle for talent, and if you're not willing to change, you're just not going to have the talent and the workers that you need? Yeah, I mean, the labor market seems to be uh, dictating that, right? There's a very hot labor market, a lot of openings, and there's, for the first time, it seems, actual competition over labor and over wages. And that, and you could see that in the resulting wage increase, and you know, for the first time in real terms for for decades. So again, I mean, that change is happening. That change is only going to accelerate with technology, frankly. And the government doesn't get to dictate the change in the labor market and in the economy that way. All right, got to leave it there for now, Stan. Appreciate the time as always and your expertise. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Employment lawyer Stan Fenzelberg with Sanfiro Tamarkin. And we're back after this break here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.